If, you, uh, if you're familiar with, with the Bible, and I know not everyone is, but if you're familiar with the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And the Old Testament um, talks about this history, human history, before Jesus showed up on the scene. And God used a number of things and people to communicate for him. But the central, the central communication tool that God used to get to us was a person. And his name was Jesus. Like when God wanted to, to communicate uh, in the clearest form whatsoever, he gave us Jesus, Jesus, a person in the flesh and blood. And everything that Jesus said, he was full of grace and truth and hope and peace. Everything that Jesus said became this understanding by which we can see God. And from the day that Jesus stepped onto the scene in the flesh and blood, everything changed. And, and Scripture, you can think of it as like pre-Jesus and now from this day forward. Everything changes. Now, if you're a human being, how many humans do we have in the room today? Do we have, yes, if you're a human being in the room today, then you've had relationships in your life that something went wrong, something went awry, and you wish you could reel that something back and start fresh, right? Have, have you ever been in that place where you're like, oh, I wish, I wish I would have handled that differently, and I wish I could start from this day forward in a new way. I wish I could start. And the good news of Scripture is that even though there are consequences to, to our lives and our decisions and our choices in our past, that we all can in some ways, find new relationship from this day forward with, with God, but also in the context of our relationships, our most important relationships in this world. And that's what this series is about, trying to find some grounding, some, some baseline for what it means to enter into healthy relationships and do so from this day forward. Now, I, as a pastor, I stand with a lot of couples who are getting married, and, and when we use this language, we often think marriage. And, uh, you know, those couples, they stand there and they hold each other's hands, and we have vows, and some people write their vows, and some people, I repeat them, and it's usually, I will do this, I will do that, I'll do everything. It doesn't matter if you're sick or you're healthy, we're rich or we're poor. I hope we're rich, but if we're poor, I may stick around, I'm not sure, from this day forward, right? Like we use that language from this day forward. And I've never really done a, a, a marriage or a wedding where I thought either one, husband or wife, either one was thinking, man, I hope this works out. Like I, everybody goes in with great intentions, like this is going to be awesome. When I stood across from my wife, Robin, 20 years ago, we, we were married. And when I stood across um, from my wife and I made those those vows, I thought, man, she is beautiful, and she was, and she still is today. And, and I thought I loved her at that moment more than I would ever love her in my life. And I thought from this day forward, everything's just going to be awesome. And I look back, I didn't even know my wife standing there that day. Like, I barely knew her. And if you've been married any length of time, you know exactly what I'm thinking, what, what I'm talking about. Like, you think, I know every, like, I love every bit of her. Well, you don't know much about her yet. And, and so life takes you on a journey together. And every now and then you need one of those from this day forward moments where things can be restarted, where things can be refreshed, and you can move in a healthy way. Now, 
We're going to talk specifically about some marriage and parenting and some dating, but this, this idea of, of from this day forward applies to every relationship in our life. And so I want you to, to, to broaden your perspective and not just think about marriage, but to think how can these principles that come from Scripture, how can these apply to many different relationships in my life? And if you zone out from, from this point forward, see what I just did from this? Uh, if you zone out, don't miss this one passage from the Old Testament. And it's in Lamentations, and he says this, the author says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. And some of you come into this place, and you've got really tough relationships going on right now. Like you have maybe in your marriage some tension that you feel like you're not going to be able to get past, and there's so much there. Uh, Yet this I call to mind, don't miss this, great is the Lord's faithfulness. Like God has not stranded you. You're not alone in that relationship, whatever it is. His mercies begin afresh every morning. Now, isn't that good news? Come on, isn't that great news that God's mercy for us is fresh every day? Yeah. Like that's good news in all of our relationships that God wants to bring wholeness and health every single day. I, I, a mentor years ago said to me, Matt, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. And I thought, that's, that's true. And so every now and then, we need to wake up and do things a little bit differently. Uh, years ago, we pulled together, and this is some of the foundation of this series, we pulled together a number of therapists and counselors and pastors, and we sat down and we said, when, when couples and families come to us specifically needing some help relationally, what are the key issues that are that they're facing? And are there, are there some things we can do on the front end rather than on the back end of those issues? Does that make sense? Like, so are there some things we can do rather than trying to fix things later? Are there things we can do to instill in them some relational values and some, some strengths, some principles that will mean they're healthier walking it out over time? And we came up with like four, five, six principles. And that's really the foundation of this, this series. And last week, we talked about the idea that oftentimes, over time, we drift apart from one another. And there, there are these opportunities we have to come back together, to get back on the same page. And we're a church. We're unapologetic about this. We believe the best way to do marriage and to do family and to do parenting and to do dating is with Christ at the center. And so... One of the ways to to help in our relationships is to get on the same page and to seek God together. And we gave you one challenge last week. And here it is. This was a tough one. Pray together. That's tough, isn't it? And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you were able to do that. But I got some notes from some of you. And you said, Matt, this is tough for us. We've never done it. But we opened up the journal. And if you don't have a journal, pick one up today. Um, They're out in the lobby, but we opened up the journal and there was a prayer every single day. So if I don't know what to pray, you've actually helped me, uh, whoever put this together, like you've helped me pray with my spouse. And uh, I got one note and someone said, you know, my husband didn't really want to do this. And we were in bed one night and I remembered we're supposed to pray together every day. And so I said, hey, before you go to sleep. And he was like, seriously, we're going to do this right now. She's like, yes, we're going to do this. And she got the journal and he prayed it. And she said, as he prayed it, it's as as if his attitude toward it just kind of changed. Because something happens, we open ourselves up in in a fresh way when we simply pray together. And it's not easy. It's difficult. In fact, that study we talked about last week, only, uh, well, less than 8% of, of Christian couples pray together on a regular basis. Isn't that crazy? 
Less than 8% of us who are following Jesus pray together with our spouse on a regular basis. And I realize why this has been tough for me and Robin throughout the years. We, we have not done a great job of this all the time. And it's a challenge because you're opening yourself up in a new way. But it's a great challenge to simply pray together. Now today, what we're going to chat about is something that all of us deal with on a daily basis. And it's communication. Anybody ever have any communication issues in your life? All right, so this is for five of us today. <laughs> communication challenges abound in our world. And there are all kinds of pitfalls. There are all kinds of roadblocks to communication, whether it's marriage, whether it's parenting, whether it's dating, whether it's in your job managing people, whether it's a coach or a teacher with students. I mean, there are all kinds of challenges. And one of the biggest challenges of communication is simply the idea that I bring myself to my communication, and I'm a mess. I... I like, I've got baggage from my past. I've got a limited perspective on the world. And so communication is a challenge because I'm speaking from my perspective. And I'm assuming that you hear from your perspective. Now, I want you to think about all that goes into our communication with someone else. Number one, I, I grew up in the Southeast, and it's God's country. But I communicate in a cer certain way because I am from the Southeast. I grew up in Alabama. I use the word y'all. And I think it's a normal word. Uh, I grew up in a home that, that divorced. My parents divorced when I was a certain age, and that comes into play in my communication. Uh, I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. That comes into play with my, my communication, the ways that I communicate. All of that plays into how I communicate. But not just that, but the way my parents raised me comes into play in the way that I communicate. And the same thing is true for the person that I'm communicating to. The, the, the person that I'm communicating with, they have all of that within them as well. So communication creates all kinds of challenges. Now, we wanted to give you a picture of this, like some of the challenges of communication. We wanted you to see just a little glimpse of how communication oftentimes just doesn't match up perfectly. And specifically in a marriage relationship, how does that sometimes kind of meet a, a point of tension? And we thought this was just the best way. Some of you have seen this, but this is just a great example of how communication doesn't always lead to where we want it to lead to. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. Yeah, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. 
Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just... Don't... Oh, men and women, we communicate in such different ways. Are you ready to talk about communication a little bit? Um, and can we, be, can we be honest about the challenges of communication and our failures in communication and the things that we struggle with in communication? Because all of us do. All of us struggle with certain things, and there's things that come up that we just don't have the tools to get past. Uh, one of the passages of Scripture, and, and probably one that, that could set the course for us, comes from Paul in the New Testament. And he's talking about all kinds of different relationships. And he says this, always be humble and gentle. Now, right there, this is not my favorite passage of Scripture. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient. Be, what's that word? Patient with one another. Making allowance for each other's faults because of, what's the foundation of it? Is your, your love. Now, always be humble. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? I mean, but it's a lot more difficult to put that into play, to bring that into our marriages, to bring that into our parenting, to bring that into our, our dating, to be humble and gentle, to, to be patient with one another does not come natural to many of us. But what would happen in your closest relationships if this became a framework? If this became the foundation for your closest relationships, would something happen to give you a fresh start tomorrow? If, if you were more humble and gentle, if you slowed down, if you were patient with that other person, your kids, your wife, your husband? Would, would things change if you made a little bit more allowance, if you had a little bit more grace and mercy for their faults? Would, would, your, would your relationship be different? Yeah, yeah maybe? Yeah, so let's, let's like walk that out a little bit. Let's, let's dig into that. Um, sitting around that table with some counselors, some therapists, some, some pastors, we, we asked, if, if communication is the biggest challenge, if it's one of the biggest challenges of relationships, why is it one of the biggest challenges of relationship? And this came out of that conversation, that oftentimes, over time, communication simply becomes an exchange of information. We believe that communication is the tool to exchange information in a home. Have any of you ever run into this, if you have kids, and you come together at night, and you only have about this much of time, and you begin to talk to your spouse like this. Hey, what are we doing tomorrow? What, do we, what needs to be done? What time do I need to pick up the kids? And are you getting them to practice, or am I getting them to practice? And then who's going to pick them up? And are we getting dinner together or separately? And then what do we need to do from there? And did you get my car in to get the oil changed? And did you fill it up with gas on your way back from getting the oil changed? Is it going to work okay? Do we need new tires on that? And then that vacation that we're taking, did you plan that? Did I plan that? Who's planning that? And your in-laws are coming. Why did you invite your in-laws? laws to our house. And you know what I'm talking about? Like over time, communication becomes this tool that we use simply to exchange information. And in reality, in a relationship with a spouse or someone that you're dating, communication is far more than just an exchange of information. It is the pathway. Communication is the way we begin to share life with those that we love. Communication is the key to being able to share life with the people that we love. And to have healthy communication, 
We have to be humble and gentle. We have to become self-aware of the ways we communicate, the ways that we listen, the ways that we don't listen, the, the unhealthy patterns that we're in, all of the baggage that we bring, the things that we assume about the person on the other side of the table, and kindness, healthy communication, humility, self-awareness, and kindness. Proverbs is a passage or is a, is a book in the Old Testament and has all these like one-liners that are just super powerful. And uh, there's, there's a portion in there where it's talking about our words and it says this, our words kill and our words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit and you get to decide which ones they are. When, when I was in middle school and high school, uh, there were some girls that I was attracted to who said some things to me that made me really self-conscious about the way that I looked. Now, there were some girls who were gracious and kind and said some other things about me, but which, one, which words do you think I remember the most? The negative or the positive? Which ones? The negative. We remember the negative. We remember words that take life from us. We, we remember the poison that was spoken to us in the past much more than we remember the fruit or the words of life that we receive. Parents, parents, this is so very important. The words that we speak to our children will either give them life and give them a direction of life or we will take life from them. We will put little seeds in them that are either fruit or poison in their future. Like that's up to us. And it doesn't mean that we just say everything that our kids want to hear, that we're, be we're not best friends with our kids, we're, we're their parents, but it does mean that the things that we're planting in them again and again and again, that we have the power of life and death in our words. We have the power of life and death. Married couples, you know this to be true, don't you? That the words we speak to one another in the most tense of moments have the power to take life out of our relationship, sometimes irreparable. Like we cannot fix the things that we've said. We can't take those words back and those become the seeds that grow again and again and again. Um, I remember learning this as a kid. Let's see if you learned the same thing. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. It's a lie. And we, I, I know why we teach our kids these kind of things, because we want them to get over the things that are said to them at school when we come home and we're like, this was said to me or this, you know, and, and we, we come home and, and, and we say to our kids, listen, sticks and stones can hurt your, your, can hurt your body, but, but words can never. Well, that is not true because words have the power of life and death, the ways that we communicate with one another. Vitally important. Now, not just in marriage, not just in parenting, but in dating. Uh, one of the things we've been trying to, to teach our kids as they're, as they're starting to think about dating and to do those things is, is to remember that the, like you have a future and the person that you're dating has a future. And that may or may not be with one another. And so the things that you say and the ways that you treat one another have to keep in mind the long perspective. The words that you say to one another are so very powerful. Um, 
And I think this is why in, at the end of the New Testament, Jesus' brother, James, he writes this book, very practical. He talks about the power of our words. And he says this, you must be quick to listen. You must be, what's that phrase? Quick to listen and slow to and even slower to get angry. Like he, he's, he's helping us in our communication tendencies. And he's saying, listen, be quick, not to share your point, not to share your perspective, but rather to listen to someone else's perspective. Be, be quick to do that. Be slow to like dig in your feet, like, you know, dig in your heels and just communicate what you want to communicate. Be slow to speak and, and, and even be slower to, to like get angry, to let things arise within you. Now, anybody in the room have anger issues? We're in church. God sees us. Like, yeah. Anger has this way of bubbling up within us. In moments, it, it's interesting. Anger usually happens with those that we're closest to a lot faster than it, than it happens with people we don't know, doesn't it? Like things begin to bubble up within the home, within the relationship, within the dating, and all of a sudden we say things because of our anger. It takes a foothold within us and we begin to say some things. Um, so just some like speed preaching. You ready for some speed preaching? Some of you are like, absolutely, that would be awesome. Here we go. So here's some, here's some tools to put like in your, in your tool belt for what it means to be quick to listen. Don't think ahead. Uh, what that means is oftentimes in communication, especially husbands and wives, in tense moments, we think about what we want to say rather than listening to what is being said. And so we're thinking ahead of the conversation of where we want to go with the conversation. Does that make sense? Have you ever done that before? You completely miss someone's what they're saying because you're thinking ahead of what you want to say, what you want to defend? Yeah, so don't do that. Don't think ahead. Don't make a plan. Rather, sit back and listen to what is being said. Second little tool, put down the device and walk away. Put your phone down. Put your iPad down. Put your Galaxy down. I'm trying to be all inclusive here. <laughs> like, put it down and walk away when you're in a serious conversation with someone else. When your kids begin to talk to you, be quick to listen. Uh, Robin, I wish, uh, Robin says this. I wish you could hear her say this. I, I, I think it's such an important thing that in parenting, the days are long, but the years are short. And sometimes in those long days, like, it's just easier to, like, numb whatever by getting on here and you think, oh, I'll, I'll have plenty of time with my kids. Those of you who kids are out of the home, it goes fast, doesn't it? It goes so fast. So be quick to listen in the moment. So put the device away. And I know some of you cheat because you have that iWatch, that, that watch thing, and the, the messages come up there and you're acting like you're listening and then you just kind of tilt your wrist back to you and you're like, turn it off. Like, all the notifications, like, shut it down in those conversations. And then repeat what you're hearing. This is so important in tense, in, in tense conversations. Like repeat what you're hearing. And I don't mean like, so what you're saying is, like not like that, but rather, so what I hear you saying is that when, when I don't pick up your, your, your phone call when you're trying to call me during the day that you, you think my work's more important than our relationship. I definitely don't want that to be the case. So let's talk about how we can, we can kind of alleviate. Like repeat what you're hearing so that you can enter and walk through dialogue 
with one another. You can journey together. So quick to listen, slow to speak. Some of you are like, really, this is speed preaching? Okay, I'm going to get there. Slow to speak. This one's taken me forever to, to start to learn. Just because I think it doesn't mean I need to say it. Just, be, just because it, it crosses my brain doesn't need, mean it needs to cross my lips. Don't nudge anybody next to you. That's not helpful right now. Second thing, don't call each other names. Now, this sounds so childish, doesn't it? But we do this. Like, I, I hear this sometimes when I talk to couples, and they, they call each other names, and it sounds like, like nobody would do that. That's something you do in junior high. But it, the truth is we say it out of anger. Like, we use words that are, that are, that are painful and hurtful. We, so don't do that. Um, don't use someone's past as a weapon against them in those tense conversations. Now, I know that never happens with married couples, but if it ever comes up, don't say, well, you always or you never, like using their past as leverage against them for the future. Like from this day forward, like choose your words carefully. Like what you say in those tense moments can take life or give life. And then the, the, the last one here, don't, for those of you who are married, don't threaten divorce. Because once you threaten that, it begins to crack open a door that doesn't need to be on the table in marriage. Now, I'm not talking about if there's um, some sort of abuse taking place, if something is done to you again and again and again. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about ways that sometimes we hurt each other, we bring those things up again and again and again, and then we start to threaten things that begin to crack open a door. And once that door cracks open, it's tough to close it back. And then the last one, slow to get angry. Sometimes a timeout is the best thing possible for everyone. Parenting, marriage, dating. (laughs) Uh, Robin and I have very different styles of conflict. Robin is one who says, I need to take a breath. Some of you will know exactly what I, I, I need to take a break. Let me, let me get, grab in my thoughts. I don't want to say something that I, I don't mean. And I'm one that when conflict arises, I want to deal with it right now. Anybody, anybody with me? That's the right way to deal with conflict. But some, um, so I, as we've tried to learn in, in, in our marriage, which is not as far from perfect, is that I should not chase her around our house when she's trying to take a break from our conversation. That's not a healthy thing for me to do. It helps us not get angry when we both can take a break. So a timeout's a good thing. Um, Remember, you're on the same team. Isn't it crazy how we forget this as married couples or as parents and kids? Like, we're on the same team. We're in the same family. We're for each other. We want to experience the best of the world. We're together. But we forget quickly and we get angry with one another. And then we say things we don't mean to say. And then this one, believe the best. This, this principle, believing the best of your spouse, we've incorporated this into, into the core values of our staff team here at McDowell. Like this could be transformative even in like your business relationships. What would it look like in, on your team, the, the people you manage, if you actually believe the best about one another? What would it mean in your marriage if rather than assuming the worst about that person, you actually believed the best, like they had the best intentions? That changes everything. It keeps our anger controlled. Um, there's this principle that runs off this, this anger, this, this passage of scripture that says this, um, don't sin by letting anger control you. 
Like, don't sin by letting anger control you. And then he says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives the devil a foothold. Uh, Years ago, Robin and I got some marriage counseling, and someone gave us this advice. They gave us this passage of Scripture and said, hey, don't ever go to bed. Don't ever go to sleep angry with one another. Now, I go to bed super early, like 9 o'clock. You can make fun of me. It's it's fine. My wife makes fun of me. It's all good. when, you're ang- when we're angry with, with each other and we said, we're going to commit to not going to sleep angry with one another, and it's like two in the morning, she is always right. I mean, it's the best, it's the best possible outcome. Like, she's always going to be right. Now, now we, we have had late, late night discussions because of this. To say, you know what, we're committed. As difficult as it may be, as little sleep as we may get tonight, is we don't want to give anger a foothold in our marriage. And so we're going to stay up and we're going to work through these things, as difficult as that is. That was great advice that we got. Um, I am competitive. Any other competitive people in the room? Yeah. I see, like, when, when, when something arises, I see it as a competition. Even the fights that Robin and I have, like, that is something to be won. And I have learned in marriage, if one person wins... Nobody wins. And so when we're fighting, like I'm trying to learn this again and again and again, that it's more important to fight for unity than it is for victory. Like it is more important for for us to fight for unity, our love for one another, than it is to fight for victory. Now, a couple take-homes for you to practice, for you to try. I mean, if you memorize that verse, it's super simple. I mean, that's a great verse to memorize. Be quick to listen. All right, two of you got it. Okay, let's try that again. (laughs) Super simple to memorize. Be quick to listen, listen, slow to, and even slower to, yeah. Steve, you gave him a cheat sheet. That's not fair. He's on your side. That's not fair. Um, If you could memorize that, like put it in your mind, repeat it again and again and again, like in communication, I mean, you could even write it out and every day just kind of read it. I need, to, I need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. For some of us, extremely difficult. Communication in that, in your journal, are a couple of practices that might be extremely helpful for you. The first one is this, to pray together. It's on page 20 of your journal. And I know we said this last week, but we're going to keep saying it because we think it's so very important. Simply pray together with your spouse, with your kids, if you have kids, if you're dating in that dating relationship. Some of you are like, seriously, in dating, Matt, you have lost touch with the real world. Listen, if you get on the right track early on, it'll be the best track for your future. I promise you that. If you get on the right track early on, it'll be the best track for your future. Um, We've got some ideas in here on page 20 of, if if you don't know how to pray, there's just some ideas of some some thoughts that might spur your prayers. And then in the daily devotion, there's a prayer every day. So use those. Those are there to help us in this. And then the second thing, it's at the bottom of page 20. It simply says highs and lows. And one of the best things for communication at night, when everybody comes back to the home, if you're a family, if you're married, when everybody comes back to the home is to share your highs and lows of the day. And it simply opens the door to new communication. Oh, 
Like that happened? That is awesome. And just a little tip, if, if your low has to do with someone around the table, don't share that low, share another low. Uh, but if it's a high, share it because it's a win, right? Like share your highs and lows, like open communication outside of just sharing information with one another. Because communication is far more than just exchanging information. Communication is the pathway for a shared life that is better than we could ever imagine. Communication is the, the tool that God has given us to walk this life out together. Does that make sense? Are you with me still? Yeah. So, be quick to listen. Yes, you got it. Slow to and even slower to anger. Yeah. Would you stand with me? Um, I want to say a prayer over you. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And um, I, I know in this, in this crazy world and all the things that are going on around us, I know that there are some marriages even in this place today that are just holding on. I know there are some, some families who are experiencing tension in your home with your kids, and it feels overwhelming. I want you to know, I want you to know that God is faithful and his mercies are new every single day. And I want you to experience that. I want you to experience that in your life together, in your shared life and walking this journey together. I want you to experience the mercies of God. So Father God, in this room, those who are experiencing difficulties in those closest relationships of life, I pray that your spirit would breathe life into them. I pray that you would breathe life into all of us, that we would be quick to listen, slow to speak, and even slower to anger. I, I pray that we would begin to experience this, this new journey from this day forward with the most important relationships that you've given us. And may all of them be founded, centered on Jesus Christ, the one who came in the flesh to be with us. We pray all of this in his name. Amen? Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.